Everybody hear me okay? Oh, there we go. Oh, I'm here. I'm officially here. Um, oh, so children are dismissed. I think you guys know that by now, right? Uh, see ya. Bye. Uh, today we will be continuing our uh, series talking about the emptiness of greed, as you'll see on the PowerPoint presentation. And... Uh, we're going to start by looking at a passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We'll be picking up at verse 10. We'll be reading a couple of verses there, and then we'll be skipping around a little bit. So please bear with me. Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 10. And it reads, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and hold. Like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil. They make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. The promise of fulfillment, the promise of satisfaction, the promise of abundance. Let's pray. Father, we need you right now to examine our hearts. We know that in so many ways, Lord God, we are blind to the greed that lies deep within each and every one of us. And so I pray in these short moments, Lord God, where we look at your word, Lord, that you would open your word to our hearts and open our hearts to your word. And may we respond accordingly. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. When you think of a greedy person, what is the image that comes to mind? Like, what does she look like? For me, one of the first images that jumps to my mind is a typical guy, you know, you're at the restaurant and he's got like five or six plates of food in front of him, picking out, you know, man spreading. And he's got, you know, barbecue sauce all over his mouth and, you know, uh, hands just full of grease, you know, ribs. And he can't even pick up his glass because, you know, it just slips right out. Fingerprints all over the place, you know, wiping his hands on his clothes. You know, we think of, we have, we have certain images of greed. Or even if you, you're here in Florida, um, the moment you hear a hurricane warning, you know what greed looks like, right? <laughs> can't find paper towels. There's no tissue. Wipes are gone. Hand sanitizer. You can't find anything. Greed. But if I were to ask you, do you think that you are a greedy person? Like, we we really don't tend to see ourselves as greedy people, right? Or we have some way of justifying 
whatever greed it is that we have in our lives. We find a way to explain it away. We have some kind of a way to not think that that would fit the profile of ourselves. Here's what the dictionary defines greediness as. It says an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. Amen to that. Another one says, uncontrolled longing for increase in the acquisition or use of material gain. So there is a sense in which we do see the external um, side of greed, right? There, there, there are certain characteristics that we would see and say, yes, that's greed. But I think beyond just the external, we have to look beyond that to really get at what is the root of greed. Like, understanding the nuances and going beyond just the outward external behaviors. What is the internal condition of the person that struggles with greed? And so as you see on the, uh, on the screen, the first thing is this. Number one, that at the root of greed is the pursuit to derive fulfillment from something in a way that was never intended. It's the pursuit to derive fulfillment from something in the way that it was never intended. And it's not even so much that the things that we like are necessarily uh, bad things. I mean, food is a good thing, money is a good thing, but it's trying to derive a certain sense of fulfillment in a way that God has not intended that really is at the root of greed. So going on to the next slide, what are some of the characteristics? We say that someone is greedy or they, they, they struggle with this particular issue, what are some of the characteristics? Well, first of all, there's a demandingness to greed. One of the definitions of greed actually means to extort. And of course, we know that extortion is the practice of obtaining, uh, obtaining something through force or by threat. It's an attitude. It's a disposition. There's a posture of entitlement with greed. There's an active pursuit. There's an towards greed. Like people who are greedy don't do so half-heartedly. There was a song back in the 90s that said um, the thing is halfway crooks. Like people who suffer from greed, they do, some, they do it with a certain degree of intensity. There's an aggressiveness, there's an active movement towards with greed. There's an active pursuit. Then, of course, there's the excessiveness. Right? There's a voracious appetite with greed. There's a, a consumptive quality with greed. They're at the top. There is this certain sense of unrestraint with greed. Self-gratification. The end goal is for that person to derive personal gratification. And then there's a fraudulence. Greed. That's also another word that's used to describe or to define what greed is biblically, that there's a willingness to compromise not only biblical standards, but even one's own convictions. And there's a willingness to trample on other people in order to obtain what you're after. These are all characteristics of greed. Demandingness, there's an active pursuit, there's an excessiveness, self-gratification, and there's a fraudulence with greed. And so at the core of greed, there's an inward commitment and a conviction that I'm going to get my way regardless of who it offends, regardless of the standards that have been set up, the boundaries, I'm going to get whatever it is that I want. 
So what are some snapshots of greed that we see biblically? What are some of the snapshots of greed? You'll see a couple verses on the screens, and I'm only going to use these verses as reference points pretty quickly. But first of all, we see that it's insatiable. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 5 reads, is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he never has enough. There is a constant dissatisfaction. There is a constant, persistent discontent with greed. There is no satisfying it. Self-absorbed, the second one. Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. And in, these, uh, in this verse, Jesus says, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. There again, we have this idea of self-indulgence, this, this sense of self-gratification where there's a preoccupation with selfishness. There's a narcissism there. Explodives. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. And in reference to false teachers, the scriptures say, and in their greed, they exploit with false words. So they're liars. They're willing to take advantage of others. They're opportunists. They're pragmatic. Whatever works for the moment in order for them to get what they want, that's what they do. This is what the situation calls for. Immorality. Peter chapter 2, verse 14. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts that are trained in greed. So again, you see this certain sense of this tight, right? This crossing of boundaries, heartless, and they're deceivers. Next, we see that they're idolatrous. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. And it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idol worship. And so the next point is this, simply, that greed is misplaced worship. At the core, greed is misplaced worship. Greed is when you give yourself over to your desire. There's a giving over of yourself to your desire. And not only that, you're treating as all-satisfying that which is not, that which was never intended to be all-satisfying. You begin to treat that as though it were. And so what's actually going on in the heart of a person that's engaging in greed is misplaced worship. So what is it that drives hunger? Uh, uh, what, what is it that drives greed? And so the next point is this, that our hunger drives the need for satisfaction. Hunger drives the need for satisfaction. That that is the thing that drives greed. Now, I want to be clear in that hunger is, is okay. It's really okay to hunger. And it's okay to thirst for things. We're created beings, and by definition, we need external things in order to survive. So hunger is really a natural, and it's an okay desire to have. But the problem is how we go about trying to quench that hunger and how we try to quench 
that thirst. When we begin to demand and we try to address the spiritual condition of hunger by temporal means, then we're at risk of falling into greed. When we begin to pursue resources that were never intended to satisfy us, it leads to a certain frustration, and that frustration can often lead to a place of greed. This cycle of trying to find fulfillment where it was never intended for us to find fulfillment, we can find ourselves vulnerable to greed. So what are the entryways for greed? How do people actually end up in a position where they are susceptible to greed? Well, there are several ways that greed can begin to get a foothold on us. And often it's because of legitimate hungers, right? Legitimate hungers that we have. First of all, there's getting in contact with the brokenness of life. There are lots of situations in life that cause us to hunger for a different existence, situation that we currently find ourselves in. And that often leads to this hunger to want to fix whatever that situation is. And sometimes what can happen is that it begins to create a demanding spirit within us, and then we begin to pursue things that we feel will give us relief from our situation. And so if you think about it, let's say we have a, a child who had a very difficult upbringing where they've been abused. And inside there's this feeling of self-hatred where they don't like themselves and they struggle to appreciate themselves. And within them there's a hunger for, for a kind of relationship where there is an unconditional love and there's an unconditional acceptance. And maybe for that individual, maybe they begin to find a certain degree of comfort in things like maybe food or maybe even in relationships. And they begin to feed themselves this item because it gives them a certain degree of relief. It gives them comfort. And that becomes their pursuit. It's a legitimate hunger. But once the individual begins to look to these created things to feed that part of them that was never designed to receive fulfillment in that way, then it can easily slip into greed. Or maybe you have another person who has grown up in a difficult household where they didn't really have much money, where finances were an issue. And seeing what their parents have gone through, they finally get an opportunity to make more money. And inside they say, I'm never going to be in that situation again where I'm under this kind of pain, this kind of hurt. And so now their bank account becomes the main thing that they're concerned about. How much money can I make? And it becomes an obsessive thing because they have a legitimate hurt. There's a legitimate hunger, but they're pursuing certain things voraciously to feed that part of them that is missing something. We're all susceptible to greed. So, what then is the cure for greed? 
How do we deal with greed? How do we begin to address this? And I'll say two things, first of all, that we think that moderation and self-control are really the avenues of being able to control greed. And I definitely think that there is a place for both. There's a place for moderation, and there's a place for self-control. But when you talk about really addressing the heart of greed, the cure for greed is when our souls begin to experience its deepest satisfaction in the presence of God. The way that we address greed is when our souls begin to experience its deepest satisfaction in the presence of God. And self-control and moderation does not address all. It's in the presence of God where our souls begin to get softened, where the, the, the demandingness that we have towards material things to satisfy that itch in our soul, we begin to see that that is, is no longer fulfilling, that th those things will no longer satisfy us, and we're getting our source of satisfaction from a different source. And once we begin to experience that satisfaction, that permeates all the different aspects of our lives. When we're getting our source of ultimate satisfaction from a different place, then it's much easier to deal with the other dis dissatisfactions that we experience in life in other places. And so, I wanted to give us some time for self-reflection. I think in order for us to be aware of the nuances of greed that can easily take root in our lives, we first have to ask ourselves, are you even aware of the thirst that exists within each and every one of us? And not only what is the thirst that we have, but what's at the root of that thirst? And I think if we really were to take the time to really have the Lord to examine our hearts, we would see legitimate thirst. And again, there's nothing wrong with being thirsty because we are created beings. We were meant to derive uh, or be sustained by something that's outside of us, right? We need external resources by virtue of being created beings. And so the first question is this, in this season, what do I find myself thirsting for? And normally that's something material, but it's really for the purpose of providing something that's immaterial. If you were to reflect on just this season of life, what do you find yourself thirsting for? And what are you hoping that that will provide for you? Secondly, coming to an awareness that the strategies that you're using to gain relief or satisfaction, the ache of the thirst and the ache of the hunger often produces a frustration 
And that frustration often leads us to use demanding, to become more demanding, and we're using various different strategies to try to quiet the ache that our soul has. And so the question would simply be this. I find myself doing blank in order to gain satisfaction and relief. An awareness of what you're doing and what you're pursuing in order to gain relief or satisfaction. Thirdly, to a place of conviction that the strategies that you're using to quench your thirst in your own way are corrupt. Have you gotten to a place of conviction over the strategies that you're using to quench your thirst in your own way as corrupt? How do you view your pursuit of whatever you're pursuing? How do you do it? Because there's one thing to be able to view yourself and say, you know, yeah, I, I agree that, you know, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But if there isn't really a felt weight that what you're doing is wrong, if there is no sense of conviction, then you're susceptible to the foothold of greed. And fourthly, gripped by the inability to yourself. Gripped by the inability to fix yourself. I think there's a certain way in which you can view yourself where you begin to think that, you know, well, yeah, it's something I can handle. I can j just drink less or just eat less, whatever. But at the core, if you aren't really gripped by your inability to fix your condition, there's really little hope. There's not really not much hope that greed can continue to have a foothold in your life. And finally, turning to God with the conviction that he is hope, that he is your only hope. God ultimately wants to get all of us to a place where we not only begin to derive our fulfillment in his presence, but that we begin to look to him as the only source of deep satisfaction in our lives. God wants us to get to a place where we realize, where we realize that we cannot fix ourselves, that moderation in and of itself is not powerful enough to deal with the, the, the strength and the stronghold that greed can have on our lives. And so in these last few moments, what I'd like to invite all of us to do is to have God to open our hearts and to help us to examine our lives to see what is it that we're ultimately thirsting after and where greed may have even used legitimate desires and legitimate thirsts. and legitimate things that we are experiencing in our lives that we have tried to find satisfaction in things that are not meant to satisfy us in that way. And so I want to give us a quick moment to reflect and to allow God to examine our hearts to see if it is that greed has truly begun to take a foothold in our lives. I'll give us a moment.
Father, we look to you. Our hearts can easily justify what we do. And our minds are often blind to the sin that resides in our hearts that we justify or that we explain away. And we need your spirit to search us, Lord, to make us aware of what we may not see or even what we justify as a means to satisfy ourselves and to go to broken cisterns that can hold no water. I pray, Father God, that you would reveal the nuances of greed, that we are all susceptible in some way, shape, or form. I pray, Lord God, that we would see the futility of our efforts to satisfy ourselves in our own way. I pray that you would put the weight of conviction on our hearts, Lord, regarding areas where we knowingly are trying to quench our thirst and our hungers in our own way. I pray that you would get us to a place, Lord God, of recognizing the corruption of our own actions, Lord, to feel the weight of that sin. And I pray, Lord God, that we would turn to you as our only hope to fix ourselves, Lord God, that, that the, the means that we use to try to fix ourselves is not good enough. It's not sufficient, Lord. And I pray that you would increase our desire for you May our satisfaction be found in you. In Jesus' name we pray.